Proverbs 14 and 15. We want to continue in our study of Proverbs, verse by verse. And the tongue, as you know, has been addressed frequently in Proverbs from chapter 10 to 13. There are about 15 more Proverbs that will deal with the tongue. The tongue is very key to Proverbs. So is the heart, the tongue and the heart. We have a mixture of antithetical, contrasting Proverbs, completive and comparable Proverbs in these two chapters. And so let's begin here with chapter 14, verse 1. A wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. And so the woman of wisdom, knowing the word of God, will know how to run and administer her home. The foolish woman destroys her with her own hands, living for self instead of God. We think of Moses' mother. In contrast to Athaliah, who killed the seed royal in 2 Chronicles 22, 2-3. Big contrast between those two women. A wise woman believes the distinct roles of male and female. The wise woman believes in marriage, the commitment for life, the importance of mothers keeping the home, the importance of fathers providing and protecting the home, the instruction of children by word and by example. Very important. And modern society tries to redefine the family and restructure the family, but we get exactly good examples of that productivity of that philosophy, it's not good. We have broken homes, divorced homes, we have nifty little terms to define them, you know, dysfunctional, codependent, co-enabler. All these nifty little sociological and psychological phrases that really is a product of man's rejection of God's word. Society becomes fractured when you leave God out of it. Nothing else can happen. And so we get a lot of the family in Ephesians <clears throat> chapter 5, verse 21 down to 6, 4. The family's addressed in Colossians 3, 18 to 22. And Paul deals with the uh, single ladies and the widows that they should remarry in 1 Timothy 5, 14 through 16 and raise children and take care of their homes. Now, a lot of that is taken um, in a hostile way in our society, particularly with single uh, women who are very feminist, and it's affected many that are in the church because they have a mixed baggage. They, um, they, they want to be modern and chic and fit in while still calling themselves Christians. Can't have it both ways. It's either the world's way or God's way, and the years of the individual lives will demonstrate which it is. So here... The proverb is antithetical. There's a contrast. Verse 2 says, He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord Yahweh, but he who perverse, is perverse in his ways despises him. So the person who lives a godly life demonstrates he, he reveres God, Yahweh here, and his will. But the person that goes wrong or crooked in his own ways and will regard Yahweh, God, 
with contempt. I know better. I don't need God's ways. People very brashly today, without any apologies, just blaspheme God in the way they declare that there's no God. And they oppose religion, and they want to destroy it all. The educators, the universities, amazing. Here you have an antithetical proverb, again, the contrast. In verse 3, in the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. So the mouth of a fool is a weapon of pride to harm people. But the lips of the wise, being humble, will speak to the benefit of a person. You think of Saul and Jonathan, his son. What a contrast with the mouth, the words that come forth. The fool does not think before he speaks. The wise does. The proverb, again, is antithetical, a contrast. Verse 4 says, where no oxen are, the trough is clean, but much increase comes by the stench of the strength of an ox. Not stench, but strength. But it is the dust stink. Um, where there's no oxen, the feeding trough is clean, so there's no supply or increase. But much increase comes by the strength of the ox that plows. So a dirty trough is really better than a clean one because it's producing for you. It's reality of life. The proverb is antithetical, again, a contrast. Verse 5 says, A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. The person who is a faithful witness will not distort the truth, will not alter it, will not leave things out. But a false witness speaks all kinds of lies to benefit himself, but he perjures himself. Now, there was a time when you would take an oath in the court's jurisprudence order, and you would raise your right hand and um, your, in your left hand on a Bible, and they would say, do you swear you tell the whole truth, the truth, the whole truth, none but the truth, so help you God? And you say, yes, I do. Well, today it doesn't matter. They don't even do it, I think, anymore. Because God is so rejected in our nation, and yet all of our civil law is based on the Christian Judeo ethics and moral law. The Ten Commandments are engraved over the Supreme Court. What a contradiction. And so, Paul witnessed to Festus and Agrippa faithfully, remember he was in prison in Acts 26, just ministered to them the truth of life and death. The faithful witness has character living and trusting God, while the unfaithful person having no character trusts himself to speak what is best for him. Antithetical again, a contrast. In verse 6, a scoffer seeks wisdom and does not find it, but knowledge is easy to him who understands. So the scoffer or mocker seeks the wisdom of God, yet he does not perceive or discern and cannot obtain it because he is a mocker and does not fear God. But knowledge to the godly is perceived, discerned, and obtained, being humbled and fearing God. The condition of the heart. Pilate said, what is truth? <laughs> he would fit great in our society today. 
The proverb's antithetical, again, a contrast. Verse 7 says, go from the presence of a foolish man when you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. Get away from a foolish man or woman whenever you see them not speak words of perceptive understanding. What they're saying just doesn't really make sense or it's not moral, it's not ethical. Something's wrong here. When you hear a person speak words not lined up with God's word or contrary to it, leave. Go away from them. Don't hang out with them. Think of Diotrephes in, in Third John who wanted to be the preeminent one and was bringing persecution to Paul and anybody who would hang out with certain people. <laughs> Same thing. The proverb is a completive. There's no contrast. It completes the thought. Verse 8 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. So the wisdom of the sensible, shrewd, godly person is to perceive and discern his way through life, to check it, mark it, examine it. But the foolishness of fools deceives them and others. It's the nature of their fallen state and their foolishness. The godly is depending on and trusting in God and his word, and the ungodly depends and trusts in himself. The proverb, again, is antithetical, a contrast. Verse 9 says, fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. So fools scorn and deride at sin, but the upright has favor with God and man. You've got two different individuals, two different conditions here. The fool does not believe in sin and makes fun at the sin guilt, the consequences, but the wise and upright person believes and understands the nature of sin, confession, repentance, restoration, resulting in favor with God and man. The mocker just laughs at it. If you're a young lady, say, oh, you're still a virgin? What's the matter with you? You, you, you believe in God? Wow. Verse 10. The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. The difficulties of life are complicated, as you know, whether we bring them on ourselves or other people. So we must turn to the Lord Jesus. No person can or will know the depths of misery that you or I go through, the bitterness of heart in our life. No one can share the feelings and emotions in the heartache, as well as the joy in the heart, because they can't enter into that. And God allows those things to be real personal. We have to turn to God for him to deal with us, to strengthen us. The proverb is completive. Verse 11, the house of the wicked will be overthrown, but the tent of the upright will flourish. 
the house of the wicked individual in spite of their attempts to endure forever. People name buildings after themselves, so when they're gone, they're still around. They're gone. They'll bulldoze that building 20, 40 years later. They will not. But the tabernacle, interesting, the two metaphors, one very a strong building, stable, the one's the tent of the upright will bud and sprout. So the relationship that causes you to endure and be in eternity and to be flourishing is your relationship to God, even though you live in a tent. Interesting. Wicked people will be done away by God, but the godly will be blessed. Again, another antithetical contrast here. Verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. There are many things and beliefs that people embrace that they believe is absolutely right to live life by. I don't see anything wrong with me living with my girlfriend. We, we, we love each other. We're committed. And, you know, and if we're committed and we love each other, that's as good as a marriage license. No, it isn't. And they think it's okay. But if they die in that state, they will have to give an account for their sinful life. It seems right to them, but it brings destruction. It certainly doesn't bring honor to the child. It doesn't bring honor to the unit of what's supposed to be a family. And that's where our society is. Whether it be a religious system. If you are not committed to Jesus Christ, if you are not born again, what you have cho chosen to live by may seem right to you, but it's the way of death. When you give up your last breath, you will be the first to find out you were wrong. But I'm sure you'll find out before you die. But for sure, right after you die. Because you will be eternally separated from God. There are so many warnings by God regarding the choices made in life that we might not end up eternally lost, but redeemed. So the proverb here is completive. Verse 13 says, Even in laughter the heart may, may sorrow, and the end of mirth may be grief. A person can be having a good time laughing and yet have sorrow in his heart or even use laughter to disguise his sorrow. And at times, the end of laughter, there may be grief. This is real life. Once again, each individual has to move through those areas of life, whether it's self-inflicted or by someone else. Life is uncertain, but God is faithful to strengthen the believers through the most difficult times in life. Many comedians, I find ironic, who make millions laugh, have been and are some of the saddest people in the world. Amazing. Their own life is all jacked up. They're not happy. They have fame, they have money, but empty. This proverb is completive. Verse 14 says, the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. 
but a good man will be satisfied from above. So the person who turns back from following God will, be, will reap in abundance the consequences of his or her sin, but the godly person will be content and fulfilled from heaven. Once again, Saul and David. Look at the difference. Two different hearts. One filled with self-will, the other heart filled with the will and the things of God. The proverb here is antithetical, contrast. Verse 15 says, the simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. The simple one, we've looked at him before, he's gullible. Um, he believes all things um, without examining anything or demanding any proof. But, but the shrewd, sensible person perceives and discerns well where his steps lead in life. Look way down the road where, where you're going, where it's going to lead you. The decisions you make, the people you hang out with, the course you're taking in life, very, very important. The sinner is completely gullible, as I said, or judges truth by the wisdom of the world, if at all. The saint judges all by the word of God to see if it is true. So the proverb here, again, is antithetical in contrast. 16 says, a wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. The wise person reveres God. He moves away from evil, but that fool passes over evil, trusting his own sufficiency. I got it wired. I got a handle on it. I'm different. I'm the exception. All right. The wise man believes what God says about evil, but the foolish believer, I'm sorry, the fool believes he is the judge of evil. That's very scary. Today, evil is good and good is evil. It's subjective. It's culture. It's not based on absolute truth. It's a lie. The proverb is antithetical, a contrast. 17 says, a quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. The person who is... Um, mastered by his anger, doesn't commit himself to foolish things. And a man of wicked inclinations and purposes is hated by people. These uh, proverbs are just very practical and true to life. They're not philosophical, but they're parallel with life. One quick-tempered individual embarrasses himself. The other who has ill intentions and motives, he's hated when he's found out. And your sin will find you out sooner or later. No one can get away from that. The proverb again is here completive. Verse 18 says the simple inherent folly but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. So the simple-minded sinner acquires to foolishness in life. Everything he does. But the shrewd, sensible, godly individual are rewarded with perceptive discernment. 
You know, it's amazing how many people, they, they live the same way, they make the same decisions, they hang out with the same people, and they're expecting a different product the next day. It can't happen. The same thing's going to happen, if not worse. The proverb here, again, is uh, antithetical, the contrast. In 19, the evil will bow before the good, and the wicked at the gates of the righteous Evil people will prostrate, being humbled before the good and the wicked at the gate of judgment of righteousness according to God's sovereign timing. Sometimes it happens during this life, but this probably refers to God's final judgment for sure. Everything will be weighed out then. The proverb is completive. Verse 20 says, the poor man is hated even by his own neighbor, but the rich has many friends. The poor person has nothing to give or offer, so he is looked down upon by his neighbor. But the rich have all kinds of friends only for what he has and can give them, really being no friends at all. <laughs> They're there for the taking. And you have all these people who are wealthy and who can lavish themselves with many things and pride themselves in the parties they throw or the galas or whatever. But those people, the majority of them are there for the stuff they're giving out. They don't really love a person. Faithful to the wounds of a friend, deceitful to the kisses of the enemy. The person who really loves you is going to confront you regarding your life tell you the truth and it's just true to life when you were in the world if you were popular you had all kinds of friends if you weren't popular you didn't have that many friends and the majority that had a lot of friends looked down and mocked and were pretty mean to those who we're loners. That's the nature of man. True to life. It's a contrast. Antithetical. Verse 21 says, He who despises his neighbor sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Here's a beatitude. The person who looks down in contempt of his neighbor commits sin against God and man. But the person having mercy on the poor is blessed, showing compassion with no favor. Think of the good Samaritan. The priest and the Levi, they went on the other side. Couldn't be bothered. The neighbor and the poor are both created by God. So we're all the same before God. The proverb is antithetical, the contrast. Verse 22 says, do they not go astray who de devise evil? But mercy and truth belong to those who devise good. The first part of the proverb is rhetorical question. The answer being, yes, devisers of evil continue to go further astray into darkness. But devisers of good are full of mercy and truth, the two graces 
mercy and truth are often found together in Scripture. Those that walk in darkness get worse with time, but those walking in light get better with time. Again, the road that you're on, you got to see where it's leading you. The proverb is antithetical in contrast. Verse 23 says, In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. All the labor, and all who will labor, will bring profit, hard work. But the empty talker ends up in poverty. He's just always shooting his mouth off. Yeah, I'm waiting for this, this new deal coming in, man. They're going to just pay this, that. And, you know, and he's always, they're always waiting on this. And, but never. Adam was to work by the sweat of his brow to earn his living, provide for Eve and his children, Genesis 3, 17 through 19. Paul says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. 2 Thessalonians 3.10. I think that's a good principle for life. Now, there's always time when we need to be charitable and sensitive when people fall in hard times or something bad, tragic has happened, that we be benevolent and gracious. But that's different from a person who's just lazy and begging like we have so many today in the entitlement of the millennialist. And how the government has facilitated them and destroyed them to a great extent. And so the proverb is antithetical, a contrast. Verse 24, the crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. The crown of the wise is their abundance. When you're a Christian, you will have more than when you were in the world because you live differently. You're a better steward. You make better decisions on what you buy, what you don't buy, what you need, what you don't need. And you're going to work more honest and harder. And God respects that. But the adornment of fools is foolishness. So the crown is that thing that's visible, almost like a reward, like in the Olympic Games, as people look at you. You're not living for it, but what you have is by God's grace, and you're the first to know it. Very important. I think of Abigail and Nabal. You know, Abigail is just this humble wife, and Nabal's a fool. <laughs> Incredible. And so the godly, wise person is to encourage others to be godly by example. The true riches in life, while fools display their foolishness constantly. The proverb, again, is an antithetical contrast here. Verse 25 says, A true witness delivers souls, but a deceitful witness speaks lies. The person who gives a true testimony rescues a person from false accusation or charges in court. But a false testimony twists and perverts the truth. The false accusations against Nabal, remember, cost him his life, and they stole his vineyard, Ahab and Jezebel. The proverb is antithetical, 
contrast. Verse 26, in the fear of the Lord Yahweh, there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. So the person who reveres Yahweh, God here, reveals their strong confidence, trust in his protection. And godly people will have a place of safety in the storms of life. Stop and think how different you respond to difficult times now being a Christian as you turn to the Lord from what you did before you were a Christian, how you resolve things. Big difference. Many throughout history, having put their confidence in God, did so even at the cost of their lives, knowing they had a better hope. Hebrews 11, 1 and 6. The proverb here is completive. 27. The fear of the Lord Yahweh is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. The reverence of Yahweh God is a source of life to himself and others. A protection here against turning one away from the traps of eternal death. As you stay in the word of God, as you pray to him, as you keep your account short, then you're walking in the light. It's a lamp to your feet, a light to your path. So you don't fall in the holes of life, the distractions, the evil that confronts you. The proverb is completive. A fountain of life, it comes from him. Look at verse 28. And a multitude of people is a king's honor. But the lack of people is the downfall of a prince. So by a multitude of people, a king is honored, but where there are few people, there is the destruction of the prince, like David and Ishbosheth. Ishbosheth didn't have the majority of people, and they ended up cutting his head off. You need people. You need forces. And a great number of people means wealth, power, in honor of the king and having great protection of him. But when there aren't many people, the prince is um, overthrown. So the proverb is antithetical in contrast. Verse 29 says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. The person who is patient and spirit controlled contains his anger is one who is humble before God with discretionary insight. But the one who is impatient and short temper gives away hostile words and violence, which ends up in foolishness and often costs them very, very much. Anger and one's self-will imposes that will on others. is not very productive, but very destructive. The proverb is antithetical. Verse 30 says, the sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. The person having a heart that is right with God, spiritually, reaps physical benefits to his body. It's simple. But envy that what others have results in harm to the health of the body, eating away like a canker. Proverbs 4.23 the issues of life come from the heart. And so how we think, what we meditate on, 
releases chemicals in our body. Do you know that your tears are different? Tears of joy? You put them under a microscope, they have a certain pattern. Tears of, of sadness, a complete different pattern. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so we, if we think on those things that are good, lovely, and have good report and all that, we're going to live differently. We're going to be healthier. It's just that simple. So the person that is content with what God has given to him is grateful, thankful, and a steward of those provisions. Here again, we have an antithetical contrast. Verse 31 says, He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. So the person who deals harshly with the poor defies and taunts his maker. But the person that honors God is merciful on the needy poor. A person's worldview is important. If we see God as the creator of all, then we are to be kind and merciful to one another. But if a person does not believe in God, they do not see themselves as accountable to anyone but themselves. They become their own God. The proverb, again, is antithetical, a contrast. Verse 32 says, The wicked is banished in his wickedness, but the righteous has a refuge in his death. So the wicked is thrust cast down in his wickedness by God, but the righteous has a place of to flee to at death the presence of God. You think of Stephen as he's being stoned and he prays to the Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Receive my spirit. Instantly present before the Lord. Every person dies physically, the believer and unbeliever, but the believer is delivered from eternal death to be instantly present with the Lord. The wicked is eternally separated from God, instantly present in what we commonly call hell, which is Hades in the Greek and Sheol in the Old Testament. The proverb is antithetical, a contrast. Verse 33 says, Wisdom rests in the hearts of him who has understanding, but what is in the heart of fools is made known. Wisdom resides in the heart of the person having an understanding of God that is unseen. No one can see that from the person yet available for life when you need it. But what is in the heart of a fool is revealed by their words and deeds in life. You have no self-control. The proverb is antithetical. In verse 34, the righteous exalts a nation. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So godly living ensures a nation to flourish. But a life of sin is shame and a disgrace to any people. Israel is a classic example. As God put them in captivity, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. We look to our nation. It's a classic example. In our past, we were founded on God's principles. People came here from England for religious freedom. Now they want to expel all Christian teachers from education, from places of public square. There is a direct persecution not as soft as before, harder now, and it will increase. Because the darkness hates the light. It's just that simple. They have ignored our Constitution and are attempting to destroy it. 
to take our freedom away and all the things that our nation has been complicit to. If God does not judge America, as Billy Graham said, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Absolutely. Verse 35 says, The king's favor is towards a wise servant, but the wrath is against him who causes shame. So the king desires uh, and, and his pleasures will be to his servants that are wise. But his anger will be against the persons who cause shame. You have Daniel, in contrast to the wise soothsayers of Babylon. <laughs> the king is looking for people that have a heart for him and the kingdom and remove those who would shame his kingdom. The proverb is antithetical again, contrast. Verse 1 of chapter 15, the soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word steers up anger. Gentle and tender words when answering another person will prevent them from being defensive and confrontational. But inconsiderate and unloving words provoke a person to anger. Again, you have David's men and Nabal. Two classic examples. The pride of fallen man is ever present to try and exalt himself over another person. It's in our DNA. Therefore, as the elect of God it says, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. But of all, above all these things, put on agape love, which is the bond of perfection. In the same proportion, God has forgiven me and been merciful to me. I am to do to others. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. The proverb is antithetical, another contrast. Verse 2 says, the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of the fool pours forth foolishness. So the tongue of the godly wise person has perceptive discernment to do good and make glad. But the mouth of the fool spouts out words of foolishness. Real simple. The unbeliever often wants to be heard and having no directive um, in life or discretion blurts out senseless, foolish, and inappropriate things, revealing his stupidity and his foolishness. The proverb is antithetical again. Verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord Yahweh are in, his, in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. God sees all things in the world. He watches evil and good closely. He's all-knowing, omniscient. Nothing is hidden from him. Second Chronicles 16.9, Hebrews 4.12, everything is open and naked before him. This is a completive proverb. Verse 4 says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. So the spiritually healthy person's tongue is a tree of life bringing healing and encouragement, but the crooked perverse words from the tongue of an evil person crushes and shatters a person. It's treacherous. The proverb is antithetical in contrast. Verse 5 says, A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. 
A fool abhors his father's discipline and teaching, but he who pays heed to chastening is discreet. You have Rehoboam and Solomon, an example. The will of a person is always the deciding factor in life, even when two brothers are raised in the same home. It could be totally different people, different hearts. Proverb is antithetical, a contrast here. Look at verse 6. In the house of the righteous, there is much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. In a godly home, there are many provisions, but in the home of the wicked, the provisions bring trouble and sometimes loss of everything. We think of Achan. His whole family was executed with him because they were party with him. They knew about it. The godly home lives on a budget within its means, its thrift, but the ungodly live beyond their means, often having financial difficulties and turning to dishonest gain. The proverb is antithetical, a contrast. Verse 7 says, The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so. So the lips of the wise knows when to speak and impart receptive discernment. They can perceive it. But the heart of the fool does not have them, let alone impart them. The godly person thinks scripturally before he speaks, but not the wayward heart of the fool. The proverb, again, is antithetical, contrast. Verse 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord Yahweh, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. So the sacrifice offered by the wicked is detestable to Yahweh as a mere ritual, but the prayer of the godly by personal relationship is accepted by God. It's pleasing to him. The sacrifice to seek the favor of God are hypocritical and offensive to a holy God, but the prayers of the godly's heart are a pleasure to God. Once again, you look at Saul, look at David, Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, God had to deal with him. The Proverbs antithetical. In verse 9, the way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord Yahweh, but he loves him who follows righteousness. So the lifestyle of the wicked are a stench to Yahweh God, but he loves the person walking in righteousness. He's a holy God. The two lives are distinct. One believes and depends on self and the world, the other on God and the word. The proverb is antithetical, a contrast. Verse 10, harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die. Serious disciplinary chastening is for the person who departs, abandons, apostatizes from God. And the person that hates confrontation and chastening will die eternally. You have the young man in 1 Corinthians 5, 5 who was sleeping with his stepmother. And they turned him over to Satan. Now he repented. We have him in 2 Corinthians. But not all do. It's always a choice. The goal is repentance and for restoration, not mere castigation. 
But few yield to church discipline in Matthew 18. Everybody's spiritual until they have to be confronted. Then it doesn't take long for their flesh to be exposed and their hypocrisy. The proverb is completive here. Verse 11 says, Hell and destruction are before the Lord Yahweh, so how much more the hearts of the sons of men. Sheol, the place of the departed spirits. Abaddon, the place of eternal ruin, both of them. The particulars were only known to Yahweh at this point in time about Sheol and Abaddon. All we knew in the Old Testament was that both the righteous and unrighteous went to Sheol. There was nothing else known until Jesus spoke about the Lazarus and the rich man in Luke 16. He says, I know everything about it. It's open with me. How much more the intents of the hearts of the sons of men? God knows everything. The intents of our heart. Abaddon means destruction is the title for the devil in Revelation 19.11. So God does not need anyone to inform him on anything. He is omniscient. He knows all things, and the proverb here is completive. Verse 12 says, A scoffer does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. A person who mocks does not love the one who rebukes him, but looks down on him, nor does he ask advice of the wise person, for it would expose his lack of wisdom, as well as his foolishness. The proverb is comparative here. Verse 13, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but the sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. Here we are again, that personal relationship that we have, the things that we go through, a person with a, a glad heart will have a cheerful face. No one who's happy walks around frowning. When a person's singing a happy song, they don't look sad. If they do, it doesn't go with it, right? Life has its difficulties again, so we cannot live out our feelings based on circumstances. They will crush us, but must always turn to the Lord, His Word, the power of His Spirit gathered together with his people to be praying with each other and for each other. The proverb is antithetical, the contrast. Verse 14, the heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. The heart and intellect and emotions and will of man who has perceptive discernment depending on God seeks more knowledge, but the mouth of the fool nourishes themselves with foolish things. The godly with spiritual perception seek to grow, but the ungodly feeds or pastures, literally it says here, only on foolishness. The proverb is antithetical, the contrast. 15 says, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. All the days of those who are afflicted, they're down in the dumps, mentally, emotionally, whatever it may be. All their days are seen as evil. Oh me, oh my, everything's always negative. But the person having a joyous heart has an ongoing feast with God depending on him. Again, we cannot focus on the relationship of what's going on 
and our feelings and emotions of the circumstances. We must base what we're going through on turning to God, that he may give us perspective, that we depend on him to speak to us, to strengthen us, very important. So the focus is on one's relationship to God, his word, putting on the armor of God, doing good warfare, in spite of the conditions and emotions of life. The proverb is antithetical again. Verse 16 says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord, Yahweh, than great treasures with trouble. It is much better to have a minimal amount of things with revering God than having much with troubles by not fearing God. One's peace in life is more important than material things. The more you have, the more you worry about what you have. Often, when wealth increases, families break up. It brings troubles. doesn't have to if you're godly, but it does happen. And so the proverb is completive here. 17 says, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than fattened calf with hatred. It's much better to eat vegetables, being loved, than the best steak where there is hate. The effects of love on the digestion is much more beneficial than a steak with hate in your gut. <laughs> the Proverbs comparative here. In 18, the wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allies contention. The angry person causes all kinds of trouble, as you know, in life. But the person who controls his anger resolves contention. The condition of the heart, the attitude. The angry person always wants to have his way, but a patient person will be able to reason things out. The proverb is comparative. Look at 19. The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. You say, what the heck does that mean? The life of a lazy person here is like a prickly bush. It's a simile introduced by the word like or the word as. For the excuses and the obstacles that make it difficult for him to work to justify his laziness and unproductiveness and uselessness. But the life of the one who works is useful and productive. It's a highway. We'll get to some proverbs when a guy says, I can't go to work. There's a lion in the road. There's always some excuse. The lazy man, he wouldn't even put food in his mouth. He just he won't lift it up. Or the lazy man is like, like a, a rusty hinge on a bed. He turns over. They never do anything. But they want everything. The proverb is comparative. Verse 20 says, The wise son makes the father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. A wise son makes his father glad being godly, but an ungodly foolish man regards his mother with contempt. Men and women respond differently. How often in the last 50 years of being a Christian I have witnessed the good and the bad effects of consequences to parents being Christian as well as non-Christian. It's sad. It's horrible. 
Sometimes things are brought upon our life not because of what we've done, but because of the choices other people make. Those are part of the difficulties of life that we look to God. He knew all about them. We didn't know about them until they happened. So we turn to him. The proverb is comparative. Verse 21 says, Folly is joy to him who is destitute of discernment, but a man of understanding walks uprightly. So foolishness is joy to the person who is void of discerning heart, but the person with discretionary understanding walks straight with God's word in line, lined up with God's word. Foolishness and understanding are completely opposed as far as east as the west. The proverb is comparative here. 22 says, without counsel, plans go awry, but the multitude of counselors there is established. When there is no advice sought out from others and whatever plan you have, things can go wrong because we don't know everything. But when there are several people that advise you or you seek out that advice, the better chances that whatever you're planning or you want to do is going to come out pretty good. It's important. Sometimes people make important decisions on their feelings and their limited understanding and knowledge, and they bring much hurt to themselves, like entering marriage and business and different things like that, the people they hang out with. They don't seek the advice of wiser people, older people. The proverb, again, is comparative. Verse 23, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. So the person... Delights in the words coming forth from his mouth to the person's question and a word spoken at an appropriate time is so good. This does not happen because they are so smart, but because they know the word of God and are humble. They're not doing it in pride. This is a completive proverb. Verse 24, the way of life winds upward for the wise, that he may turn away from hell below. Through all these, you see the parallelism, you see the contrast and how it follows. The life and destiny of the godly at death is upward, heaven, in order that he not be in Sheol, downward, the place of torment. The underworld of departed spirits. The proverb is completive. Verse 25 says, The Lord Yahweh will destroy the house of the poor, but he will establish the boundaries of the widow. God's justice. Yahweh God will bring to an end the house of, or family of the proud person. He will judge him. But he will cause the landmark of the widow to stand erect, fixed. He spoke about the widows and the borders. Deuteronomy 10, 18, 32.8. So God looks after the widow. The law had much to say about the oversight of widows and orphans and fatherless, all of that. Very, very strict. So the proverb here is comparative. Verse 26 says, The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination of the Lord Yahweh, but the words of the pure are pleasant. The thoughts of wicked people are detestable and a stench to Yahweh God. 
but the words of people that live a pure life are a delight to him. They're pleasure. The world is comprised of good and evil, saved and unsaved, wicked and righteous. The proverb here is comparative. 27 says, he who is greedy for gain troubles his own soul, but he who hates bribes will live. The person who is greedy and lives for money will bring trouble to his house and family. But the person that detests being bribed will live. We look at Elisha and Gehazi's servant. After Naaman got killed, Gehazi went for the gold. <laughs> got greedy. The world revolves around greed, envy, and covetousness. Dishonest gain, treachery. The proverb is comparative here. In 28, the heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked spouts or pours forth evil. So the heart determination of the godly, wise person studies, and the key here is meditates on the word of God to provide people with God's answers. But the wicked person, he disperses all kinds of evil answers. He doesn't fear God. So 1 Peter 3.15, we're to give an answer to every man for the reason of the hope that is in us and meekness and fear. That's why we study. Over and over again, the heart is the determining factor of a person's life's choices for self or God. This proverb, again, is comparative here. 29, the Lord Yahweh is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Yahweh here separates himself from wicked people. He's holy, but his ears are open to the righteous. Isaiah um, says God's ear is not short nor heavy that he cannot uh, hear or see, but your sins have separated you from God, and he will not hear you. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. The proverb here is comparative. Verse 30 says, the light of the eye rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones healthy. So the reception of good news brings joy to the heart and, a benef and beneficial to our health. Once again, our thoughts, our response emotionally. The phrase bones healthy here is a metaphor for something good and beneficial in terms of health. So the proverb is completive. Verse 31, the ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. So the person open to correction in life will be one of the wise, but he who reproaches abhors his soul. The entire goal of life is for believers to grow, develop, and mature to the full stature of Christ, Ephesians 4, 7 through 16. This is a completed proverb in itself. It's just one little line. Look at 32. He who disdains instruction despises his own soul, but he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. So the person who rejects or refuses to be taught, he abhors his soul. You're doing damage to your own soul. Stop and think how you and I used to live, the things we did. And, and we're young, we can take the damage and the wear and tear because we're young, but we're destroying our health, our, our, our mind, and different things. And the consequences are down the road. 
all the time. But the person listening and obeying reproof gets an understanding heart. The word of God warns man that his soul will be lost for eternity, separated from God instead of being with God. That's the whole good news of the gospel. The proverb is antithetical, a contrast. The last verse, 33, the fear of the Lord Yahweh is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. So the person who reveres Yahweh is his instrument of wisdom and humility precedes honor. Without fearing God, we walk in pride that leads to destruction. Our only hope is to be humble and to humble ourselves before God that he may exalt us in due time as First Peter 5, 5 through 6 tells us. This last proverb is completive. And so, two more chapters down. True to life, these proverbs. They're not trying to impress it with vocabulary or philosophy, but true to life, given by God to Solomon. Father, we thank you. We worship you. We thank you for your word, for your love towards us, Lord, that you want to do the best for us, Lord. We pray we would just abide in you, grow, and the Lord, we be your instruments to help others and to communicate your word. And so, Lord, go before us now as we think on, meditate on these Proverbs. As you're praying, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you're here, maybe you're over the internet. If you believe that Jesus is God who became man and died for your sins, he died on the cross for you, he tasted death for you. And if you believe that message, then you agree that you're a sinner. You're agreeing that he is the savior of the world. And if you believe that and he can forgive you, you can ask him to forgive you right now. It's called repentance. This is a very simple prayer of you asking Jesus to forgive you, to make you his child. By grace through faith, not because you deserve it, nor I, but because I agree with God that I'm a sinner in need of a savior and that he alone can transform my heart. If you want to repent of your sins, this is your prayer to the Lord. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.